What's up? And welcome to another episode of Half Hour with Astro Theatre Company. I am here today with an amazing theatrical artist and even more amazing person, the one, the only, TJ Burton. What's up? I usually you have my little, my little ham horn going. I'm the, good. The reggae I'm, air horn? Yes, I have it on my phone, like That's downloaded fantastic. so that I can punctuate myself in conversations now. Yeah, that comes in handy a lot when you're introduced at big galas. It does. Too bad <laughs> none of them are happening anymore. Well, soon, Ooh. soon. I always like to remind like my coworkers or like people that are like, man, this like really sucks. Like I'm working this job right now. And I'm like, hey, in two years, we're going to be at the Met Gala, so it's going to be okay. True, <laughs> and it's going to be a great theme, and I'm going to be looking fabulous. Absolutely. Um, how are you doing, TJ? What have you been up to? I am doing great. I've been um, taking some like free online college classes, um, and I've been working full-time, which is... Yep, uh, it's good, but we're doing great. Just keeping our head above water, really, until the new year and trying to, you know, possibly move and get my life together a little bit better than I have it right now. That's a lot of things that you're doing. Yes. Working full-time during a pandemic is nothing to laugh at because, baby, it can be exhausting. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're preaching to the choir here. What online classes are you taking? I took a like online photography class because um, cool. the last time I had taken any like photography thing had been in high school mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of felt a little rusty on it and you know I have this fancy iPhone camera now and I wanted to know how to use it um, and Harvard offers like some free like I think you can do like three free classes um, and if I didn't do something creative, I thought I was going to lose my, my mind. So Come on, Ivy League creativity <laughs> courses. That's awesome. We love being able to put that we're, we took some classes at an Ivy League institution on that good, good resume. Absolutely. That's so fun. Um, okay, so our first little segment you may or may not have heard yet is yes. you were born and then what happened? So where were you born? Where'd you go to school? And when did you sort of like realize that um, performing theater artistic stuff was like sort of your jam so I was born in St. Louis Missouri and um, like most white kids uh, I went to church my parents kind of made me go to church and I was in all of like the church performances and then in middle school um, I auditioned for all of the plays and stuff and all my friends were like well like we want to hang out with you and I was like yeah come do theater and now most of my friends that I got into theater are teaching or going for their master's degree in performance or doing theater full-time as well so so you like shepherded them into the arts because they like wanted to hang out with you and you're like yeah but I need you to paint this set yeah well like my my friend from like middle school Chelsea she teaches full-time in the Hazelwood school district I have another friend named Hannah who's getting their master's degree in music performance um Chelsea's boyfriend, Sean, who was also in all of the musicals with us, has his own band and is like just doing great with that. Um, So I like I used to force people to do theater with me because I wanted to have friends, but I also wanted to like make it cool because it really wasn't cool back in middle school. Um, And when college time rolled around, I had the choice of going for like I played violin and bass and viola and cello. So I was going to go for music, but then Stevens offered me a pretty hefty scholarship and at the time um, looked a little different and identified a little differently. So I was like, I can go to women's college, right? Uh, (laughs) 
and then immediately it was like this is a mistake um so because it was all like women's empowerment and like I love being a woman and I was like I love that for you I don't love that for me mm. so we pretty quickly realized that um the program was great but you know maybe the whole like being a woman thing wasn't so uh after I graduated, I started working full-time in theater and transitioned pretty shortly after that. I think, I think, because Stevens changed their trans admittance policy, I'm pretty sure I was the last trans man to graduate from there um, wow. before their policy was enacted, so. Do you feel, if any of this is too personal, please tell me to fuck off, but. Oh my God, if, no. If, like, do you feel like you would have come to the realization sooner or later if you hadn't been like at a university specifically sort of throwing the like feminist like stuff around not that being feminist is bad but no, like yeah. the being like embracing being a woman stuff like do you feel like that would have come sooner or later or at the same time or I guess maybe mm, a way to I kind of <laughs> I have a couple of like moments that through therapy like talking about them my therapist was like yeah that's like a trans thing I was like oh okay cool um that were pretty early like a couple of times in middle school I had moments where like I was in the dressing room and I had a breakdown or whatever. Um, so like, I kind of, I had a feeling, but I don't think I would have been able to put words to that without my education at Stevens or at least for a while. Um, the first couple of people I interacted with at Stevens were like very unapologetically queer. Um, and I, you know, I, I lived on the Ferguson fluorescent line and I went to a private Catholic high school so I got into a lot of fights with my teachers about like being gay and stuff but I never really knew that being trans was like a thing until college mm. um I always was like yeah maybe not a woman but I didn't really have the verbiage to be like oh yeah I, I think like my first year of college I started identifying as non-binary um because that felt more comfortable than like woman but it still wasn't necessarily correct um so rip to that <laughs> cute little idea that's amazing though I think to be able to be surrounded by the like the stepping stones of the tools that brought you to like the beautiful person that you are is you know those are things to like you know I don't know re-examine and maybe someone is listening that like maybe is going through that same thing right now so how cool to be able to like document that in a way you know it's really cool. And it's been nice to like, I feel like I'm extremely privileged to be like, had a career in theater mm -hmm. and to have gone through transition in theater specifically, because if I had chosen a different career path, it probably wouldn't have been so smooth or so, you know, like it was just like a wholesome experience. There were obviously some things that kind of sucked, but my theater people were very, um, very much the security that I needed to be able to do that. Just in terms of like the social, like confirming, like who you wanted to be and understanding yeah. and empathetic and. Yeah. Well, and like, I don't think, you know, had I been working like in a doctor's office or like as a lawyer, I don't think I would have ever been able to transition and people just be like, yeah, cool. Um, do you need help? Like, like freaking Paige Stallings, who I love. Mm, um, a light. I was doing a moon for the misbegotten at KCAT when I like decided, okay, yeah, I'm going to tell people. Um, and so, cause I had cut my hair off earlier that year 
And then um, I went to Paige and I was like, hey, um, I need to start binding because that's going to make me feel better about myself. And I don't know how to measure myself and you have to measure yourself to figure out your size. So she was like, yeah, cool, I'll do it. Um, Who better to ask than a bad costumer? (laughs) Right. And then and then like she would like make sure it fit and like at one point during Christmas Carol last year Marianne bless her soul my I like hulked out of my binder um moving one of the um big set pieces that big window yeah and Marianne like sewed my binder back up backstage that's amazing it's so good I I just I'm surrounded by like good people that are a little bit more open-minded and care about people I guess yeah that's amazing well I'm happy that you like feel supported and and have your tribe of folks who are like no we like this is this is fine this is beautiful this is you know truthful and we're all about that thank you yeah so uh what has your like pandemic been looking like like were you working on anything pre-plague and how has that like um changed a bit since you know we can't gather or perform or do any of that fun stuff (sighs) Well, um, pre-plague, um, actually like during the beginning, um, I remember watching everything unfold. I was working at the rep. I was doing legacy land. I was, uh, production assistant for, uh, we were in Copenhagen and, um, that was a wild experience because it was coming to work every day, just going, holy shit, what if we shut down? And then we did. Um, yeah. and that was so depressing. Um, I had scheduled my entire life out up to like March of 2021. Basically after legacy land closed the day after I was going to drive to New Hampshire and start working at Seacoast repertory theater there. Um, And then I was going to, I think I was going to do Ogun quit after that and then come back and do Fringe, and then after Fringe, I was going to start on at the Unicorn, and then so I like had you shows had with the Unicorn. I was scheduled, scheduled, booked, and blessed, and yeah. then um, and then nothing happened, and I was like, okay, bet. Um, I was lucky enough that somehow uh, my surgeon that I had scheduled top surgery through had an opening in May, and had I not like it's it's kind of fucked up but like had the pandemic not happened I wouldn't have had top surgery probably for another two years wow Um, so it was kind of nice like I knew at least I would have some time off um so I was like yeah I better do this now uh otherwise I won't be able to do it because I was so busy right um so that's kind of been a nice little like silver lining but um it does kind of suck because all of those contracts are just thrown right in the like I was going to be in New Hampshire and Maine and then yeah. come home oh, and Maine in the summer too it's the best <sighs> oh my god be and it was like Ogunquit is like such a gay little city too and it so is I was like, my partner so worked excited. there actually I think her like sophomore year of university and she oh, loved work. her experience there and I have worked in two different theaters in Maine it's crazy that Maine is like such a theater like I don't know, epicenter, but only for like the months of May to October. And then it's just yep. like desolate, like Stephen King vibes. <laughs> that is literally Okaboji. I don't know if you've ever been up to Okaboji, Iowa. Oh my God. It is, it's like very weird because it's so much of a tourist trap. It's a college town without actually having a university. They even have like this whole like University of Okaboji thing. It doesn't exist. It's just a fake school. 
they in the winter they have the winter games for the college everything up there is labeled like campus laundry and like the campus radio station there's no university um it is the most desolate place basically from october to april but then in the summer like everyone goes up there to like be at their summer house or whatever and then the summer theater is like packed every night um because they run shows tuesday through sunday and then they have monday to tech and then they open on tuesday and Ooh. i did that for the last three years before so there's something about that like summer stock training though that i feel like people respect when they see it on your resumes because they're like i think it's kind of a rite of passage in some ways but it also is like a little bit of good training to be like damn i have done some crazy shit and then the second you have you're like working on a professional, not that it isn't professional, but like a contract that is very structured and well-funded. You're like, oh damn, this is much easier than, <laughs> than that crazy shit that I was doing in Iowa. <laughs> the, so I kind of like, I feel a little bit um, like an asshole when I'm like, oh, my summer was so hard because it wasn't. Um, I, when I was a student at Okoboji, I was the summer of 2017. So right before I graduated college and I was a stage manager. I was the only stage manager like actual stage manager that had trained in stage management there. And I had so many projects that I had to do, but they weren't, they weren't hard. The only yeah. thing that was really hard was I did a production of Cat in the Hat in the children's theater there. And I did not start the show um, until like the day before tech. Um, and mm -hmm. it had like 250 sound cues over the span of 30 minutes. Um, Jesus. It was the like British Royal production, which was really cool, but like a lot to learn. Um, I, I started, I stage managed the first show of the season. So we had basically 60 hours to put the show together. Um, and then we opened on a Tuesday and then the second show went into tech and then opened and you had like basically eight hours on a Monday to tech the show. And that was it. Um, but I was always doing production strikes. So I was just getting my book ready for the next show um, up until like the last couple of weeks. And then I did a couple of strikes and that sucked, but yeah, strikes would go Sunday from like 8 PM until basically whenever we got done two or three in the morning. Um, wow. The, yeah. And the one production, the one strike I did that wasn't production strike was lighting strike. So I got to go home and go to sleep until like six in the morning and then get up and do the lights after everybody had gotten off the stage. Ooh, that is a moment but ultimately good training to be like damn if I did that like I can truly do anything you know oh yeah I will never complain about being at a theater until midnight after <laughs> I'll never complain about being at a theater again uh, after this pandemic like you I would what? be able to True. do a 9 a.m student matinee you know what do I mean? you remember <laughs> like teching Christmas Carol last year and being like god I never want to do this again <laughs> and now I would kill to do it like I would kill yeah I would literally kill to be hiding in that stage with my blonde ass hair sticking out of my hat everywhere <laughs> like and that so, horrible cough I had last year uh I do it all over again yeah it was it's pretty fantastic I think I was talking to Brie but I've talked to several folks about it but Christmas Carol at the rep is such a like institution and just like, like for Kansas city, but it's also like a huge resource of financial support for artists. And mm -hmm. it's just crazy that no one is like in those halls right now, because during the like two months of that contract, 
someone is always there you know it's some facet like yeah. sleeping in a corner or like eating food on a couch like someone is <laughs> always there and it's it's like a little crazy that it's just kind of a ghost town right now my favorite moment from Christmas Carol last year was when I brought in, do you remember when I brought in like 10 or 12 pomegranates and I taught no. everybody, okay, during tech one day I brought in a pomegranate and Shanna was like, what is that? It's like, it's a pomegranate. She's like, how the hell do you cut and eat a pomegranate? And Walter was like, yeah, I've never like cut my own pomegranate. I just get them in the plastic boxes from the store. Yeah. So I brought, I think I spent like $20 bringing in pomegranates for everybody. And we had like a little. Like a pomegranate next... masterclass. Yes. Yes. And I'm TJ Burton had... and this is my masterclass. <laughs> I can do one thing good. No, I can do two things good. And it's cutting pomegranates and making 3D um, snowflakes. You are very good at that. You are very good at that. Thank you. Yes. That I now that I am thinking about it, I do remember sort of red juice oozing <laughs> sort of everywhere backstage. That um, was me. I'm so sorry. No, don't apologize. Fantastic. Um, so after we like are granted, you know, we're able to return to gather again in theaters and you know, rehearse and perform. Um what what would you like to see like what does that look like to you um, like in, in well, your like dream of what it looks like when we go back like what's the same what's different who's there what does it look like um I personally feel like um something that I've realized in the pandemic specifically was like for a hot minute um, I kind of turned into like the the gender diversity token for a couple of theaters. Mm. Like um, there are some theaters that like when when everyone it's the first day and everyone's introducing themselves, they're like very um, we're gonna use everybody's pronouns. And for a long time, it was basically just like a bunch of cis people in me. Um, I don't know if you've like taking a look um but I'm a white dude <laughs> like I don't feel comfortable being the diversity in the room sure. um and I it, it kind of turned into that a little bit um a couple of people actually brought that to my attention which made me really uncomfortable um so I would really love to see um more diversity like not just doing like a show with black people in it and being like cool that's it um and having well having trans people on stage would be great um, I think that it's very interesting that backstage of Kansas City sometimes looks more diverse than what's on the stage, mm. um, or there will be um, a show full of people of color and then everyone on the crew is white. Mm. Like, it doesn't feel truly diverse to me, um, and I would love to see that. I would also love... Um, to see Kansas City Theater hold itself accountable. And like, if there's someone that, you know, maybe isn't the best person, we surround that person and say, hey, you need to be doing better uh, and maybe mm. not being super problematic. Um, and until that happens, we make sure that they hold themselves accountable and we maybe don't hang out with them and, you know, um, enable that behavior. I feel like there's a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, I feel that like makes me uncomfy. Totally. I mean, the totally valid reason to be uncomfy. I, I feel like I would love for, and I extend the invitation to anyone to always continue to hold me accountable because 
I think I talked about this with, I think, Darrington a little bit. I'm like, as a, as a cis, straight, white person, I am probably going, I need to admit and understand to myself that I'm going to probably continually, continuously not have all the answers and have many blind spots in the way that I interact with the world just because of how our world is structured. So mm-hmm. not only is it my responsibility to continually like educate myself, but I also have to like severely let my guard down and be really open to feedback when people are like, hey, that's not cool and here's why. And instead of being defensive about it, I have to receive that as like a token of love for them to be like, I'm giving you this feedback because I know you can change and I know you can handle it, but also this isn't cool, stop doing this. Like to me, there is no greater signal of love and care than someone taking the time and energy to do that, especially if that person was harmed by your actions. Yeah. Well, and I think too, it's really interesting because a lot of the, at least when I was first coming out as queer, um, there's kind of this idea that like, if you're part of one marginalized community, you can do no wrong. Um, And Mm. I'm like, I benefit from privilege very greatly because I'm a passing white dude. Um, At the end of the day, like, should I go out and date a woman? It's going to look like a straight relationship. And it's going to look, you know, we have a ton of privilege. Um, do I, am I still part of a disenfranchised community? Absolutely. But like, how am I going to use this privilege to like greater benefit other people is mm-hmm. something that I definitely need to look into more. Um, Cause like when you're first coming out, you're like, oh my God, everything's about me. And like, I can't do anything wrong. Everyone's hurting me. And like, that's just not true. I still benefit from racism every single fucking day. Mm. Like I've never once been discriminated against because of the color of my skin or the fact that my name is Tucker. Like no one's going to throw out my resume, you know, um, are people shitty about me being trans? Absolutely. But like, that is in no way comparable to all of the horrible, horrible shit that like people of color deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, so true. And I think just like beginning to understand that is like a good first step for us, like, you know, holding our friends and coworkers accountable as well. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Is there anything else that you hope is different or the same? Or like, what, what are you like missing the most that you're excited to see once you return? I miss people and like human connection, like, mm-hmm. There, there were so many moments when like, I don't know, I would just fall asleep on one of the like rep couches and I would wake up and there would just be people there. And like, I could have a conversation with people or like, uh, there was one point when like, I fell asleep on David Slice's lap and like human connection is great. And I just kind of miss being around people or like the rush of theater specifically, like that moment when um, Tanner and I had to run the window off <laughs> was like the most exhilarating thing. Yeah. Um, climbing the, there's like a, a, the sound nest at the unicorn, climbing that stupid ass ladder. I hated it when I had to do it, but now I'm just like, I could just go. And yeah, I, I just went to the unicorn to um, pick up some food from the theater community fund. Um, Because I was out of work for a week and that was not fun because they don't pay you if you're out for anything but COVID. Um, So we were about a thousand dollars behind and um, I just kind of walked through the unicorn because I needed that. And then I sobbed for about five minutes and I was like, this is really sad. Like this, like just being in the buildings and seeing the people that I really, really care about would be great. 
Yeah, there's really just something about those spaces that feel like sacred and safe and holy almost. You know what I mean? Because Oh my god, it, I feel more at home there than I ever did in church. <laughs> 100% because it really is a place of like letting your guard down and seeing something and setting down in the audience and not knowing what you're about to see and having a collective experience that only lasts for an hour and a half, you know, um, is, is really special. Well, and when they're, when, you know, when you, we do those projects that are, um, the really good ones, the ones where, you know, everyone is collectively doing the same thing. We're all helping each other. Like it, it was a pleasure. It was literally a pleasure to open a door for people or to like chuck a prop on stage for them or, you know, to light, people as they were coming off stage because they needed that yeah um it felt like we were doing something for other people instead of just doing something for ourselves and like yeah I did theater for me because I liked it but I liked that it was a group effort and that everyone kind of was supposed to have a say whether that happened or not all the time uh that's debatable but it was nice to feel like a community um, totally. I feel like I, I came I came to theater for myself, but I stayed for other people. And, yes. And just like that, there is something also specific to be said about Kansas City, the way that every, I mean, I've only worked here a couple times professionally, but I just noticed that it really, there in my experience, has been just such care for every aspect of production um, and like people on stage and off stage have the same level of like worth and Mm -hmm. I feel like that care is really palpable in Kansas City especially and not it's not that way everywhere when I was an undergrad there is very much that it it was probably also because there were two technical theater people um, that were not customers and um, one of them was a scenic designer and the other one was me Um, but there was this like idea that the actors were there to learn at college and um, the technical people had to know what they were doing 24 seven and had to be the best at everything. And you could never make a mistake. And um, also the actors were like God tier. And then your technical staff, like I had this one guy at Summerstock, look at this costumer and go, I take my coffee black and he takes his with two sugars. Thanks. And I looked at her and I was like, that is not your fucking job. Like he had hours before the show to go get coffee that is not like it was gross and I was a little afraid graduating that like that's what theater was going to be like was basically like people barking orders at me but here I've never really been I've never really had a situation where people were disrespectful to me because I was not on stage at the time Mm -hmm. um and it's been weird because I haven't acted since high school but there was a lot of encouragement for me to like continue to act on stage obviously that was something I was going to do in September too I was going to be in a show no way uh, yeah I was going to be in a show um I was going to do a show that Jake Walker was producing um and I'm it was going to be I think it was going to be with Hollis and um, obviously that didn't happen so but yeah I was excited to like act and do things yeah. um 
because I hadn't done it for a while because it, it was just easier when I wasn't feeling super comfortable in my skin to mm. um, be away from people and not have people put all that attention on me. But now that I'm kind of an attention whore, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm ready to do this. That's great. And I think it's hard sometimes because I feel like as artists and probably more like I think technical artists experiences probably more is like a little bit of like pigeonholing and like you are sort of seen as like one type of artist or even one type of technician and the, there's not really a gray area and it's not this isn't like a Kansas City thing this is like an everywhere thing. It's an everywhere thing. And I think really the world is more interesting when those those worlds kind of meet and there's like a little space in between the Venn diagram you know because why not and I, I noticed too that like it it seems like a generational thing to be honest um because totally. when I was in when I was in school it was required that I took as as a as an actor I had to take all the technical classes and as a technical person I had to take double levels of every single like niche of technical so I had to take two costuming classes, two scenic design classes, props, uh, stage management. I took all four because that was my like um, chosen career path, my emphasis. But it, my younger teachers were very like, yes, be a well-rounded individual, work in the box office for two years, do lighting, do sound, do everything. Yeah. Like my resume for undergrad was sound lighting and stage management. Um, and I did a couple of designs and everything. And then when I got out of school, it was like, you're a stage manager, but you do electrics on the weekends to kind of pay the bills. Like that's all mm. you're allowed to do. Yeah. So it felt very outdated. Like, why did I spend all of this time becoming a well-rounded person and understanding all of these areas of design to basically not use them ever again? Yeah. Um, obviously it came in handy needing to talk to people um, in production about stuff. But other than that, it was just like, I'm here to do one thing and yeah. I, I can't get a job in anything else. So. Well, I feel like I personally prefer to work with people who have done every side of it because not only does that like encourage um, respect towards everyone, like everyone is a super important part of this thing that we're building that's bigger than ourselves, but also like it just makes everything run smoother and better because everyone like knows what needs to happen and has a more like like rounded understanding of this thing that we're making and what it takes to like get it off the ground you know and it's yeah. just I don't know I can't think of a reason why that would be a bad idea I can't either I think maybe it's just like a fear of like losing the people that you know do a good job in that thing like mm. I find a lot of Kansas City theaters use the same couple of people every time and I get the idea behind it. Like, you know, it's good. And like, why reinvent the wheel if you don't have to? But at the same time, like, if you put people that you know are already good in other things too, or you bring talent in that you see is good from this other place and you're like, yes, I would like to work with them. I feel like that creates so much more of a like healthy, diverse, um, inventive sort of team to work with. Like, I don't, I don't find projects that I'm working with the same five people on super interesting because it it feels like the same show just with like different words basically. Sure yeah I think that's uh, something that the industry as a whole kind of struggles with too. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. I could chat with you for hours and hours, but I think we should, we, I fear we should begin to wrap up. Um, oh boy. I know. What do you have coming up um, or like what news do you have or where can we find, where can we find you? Oh boy. Um, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at terrific grandfather, because that's the best handle. One I of my favorite, coffee mug. one of my favorite, favorite handles known to, known to humankind. <laughs> I found a coffee mug at Goodwill that said terrific grandfather. And I was like, I have to change. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, coming up, I am just working, trying to, you know, I might be um, documenting a little bit more of my transition. I had been re- uh, asked to um, kind of keep tabs on my transition and like, because a lot of the stuff that's documented is like really early on but no one really talks about the changes like after year one and year two Mm. um so i'm gonna start keeping tabs on that um and just looking forward to the day that i can get back into a theater and stage managing and acting again um that's really what's on in my zeitgeist as the great lambie hedge would say aren't we all aren't we all ready for that day well it was such a <laughs> pleasure chatting with you and i hope thank we you for having soon. me yes um be well and have a happy holiday okay thank you you too okay bye, bye. bye.